Call him a mad vigilante. Call him a hero. Either way, he's always on target. I want you to get out of here. Howdy, folks. <laughs> Welcome to Satanists on Cinema. We're your hosts, Satanist Cameron John and Reverend Campbell. Satanists on Cinema is a film review and commentary series that puts a gun in your face and demands your fucking lunch money. Today, we're reviewing a film that asks the immortal question, is it eye for an eye or eye for your eye and your eye and your eye and his eye and their eyes? All the eyes. <laughs> All the eyes. <laughs> All of the eyes. All right, we're going to be talking about Death Wish. And that's Death Wish 1974, just so yeah. everybody knows. I haven't seen the Eli Roth one, the Bruce Willis one. I did. Was I, better I don't remember it. Oh. Yeah. So it was that I, good. <laughs> pretty much. That's, Yeah. <laughs> You're looking mighty, like, crisp. Like, crisper today than normal, I think. I don't know what it maybe, is, man. Did I, you eat your Wheaties? I, maybe. <laughs> Visually, you're crisper. All right. I, I think it's uh, I think it's the darkness settings. It, my my body really shines well in the dark. <laughs> All right. Um, so, this has been a huge, oft-requested film for us to speak to. Um, We've got this... Every show for the last month, so we decided okay, we're gonna Death do Wish? it. You're gonna do Death Wish? Hey, what about Death Wish? All right, fine, fine. We're doing Death Wish, the original Death Wish, Charles Bronson. You all know it at least by reputation. Mm -hmm. Um, today was the first time I've ever seen it, actually. Same here. Well, I started it last night, fell asleep, and decided oh, I'll finish it in the morning, <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. that it was better than I thought it was gonna be. I will totally for give it sure. That. <laughs> yes, I'm 100% with you on that. So this was directed by uh, Michael Winner. It was written by Brian Garfield and Wendell Mays. It's based off the 1970, um, 19, yeah, 1972 mm. novel by Brian Garfield, though there were some arguments after the fact about the final theme between mm -hmm. the book and the film. The logline of this film is, a New York architect becomes a one-man vigilante squad after his wife is murdered by street punks, in which he randomly goes out and kills would-be muggers on the street or on the mean streets after dark. They're mean streets. Yeah. So this is New York when New York yeah, is I mean, New York. Exactly. This is fucking 70s. It was, you know, fuck around with that shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, uh, Pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed this. This was like a time travel device for me. It took me right back to my youth, mm -hmm. like my childhood. This was the this was the era in which I grew up, and the music was so good. <laughs> like it was so seventies. It was so good. Fucking Herbie Hancock, dude. Everything about this film really, I thought, was just so much fun. Not because it was mm -hmm. particularly gr like great or anything, but just because yeah, it. No. it captured 1974 in the most brilliant possible way mm -hmm. i don't know it was great yeah, um, no, I, i'm a sucker for anything like 70s 80s new york like it's just fucking sleazy and disgusting and beautiful the clothing 
the hairstyles. It's like everyone walked around and no one cared what their hair looked like. (laughs) No, fuck no, they didn't. (laughs) It was like everywhere. Everyone's hair was just everywhere. It was honestly, I'm just looking at like, can you just run a comb through it real quick? (laughs) What? I don't understand. I want to do like the the parent tongue wet back (laughs) thing where I wet your hair back. Um, all right, so it had a budget of $3.7 million. It ended up making in $22 million at the box office. And it's a big fucking deal. It's huge. <laughs> and, and, but it was so controversial, they actually upped the price of the tickets. And they got away with it. Like mm. It ended up costing more per ticket because uh, they knew people would pay it. And they did. And they went to see it, and it was great. And I had this weird moment this morning where... The inciting incident happens early, like right when the film begins. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, Jeff Goldblum, can we just say his greatest, greatest. fucking one of his best roles and you get to see his ass. <laughs> it, I, it was his it, first role too. I was so blown away because I'm like, God damn, that motherfucker's familiar. Yeah. Fuck, why does he look so goddamn familiar? So I had to look up. Like, Jesus Christ, that's Jeff Goldblum. Yep. He doesn't have a mustache yep. or the really weird way of talking. It was so Jeff Goldblum <laughs> before he was Jeff oh, yeah. Goldblum. Definitely. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, so, uh, <laughs> again, this is 1974 American vigilante action exploitation film, loosely based yeah. on the novel. Um, it was criticized for its apparent support of vigilantism and advocating unlimited punishment of criminals. Allegedly, the novel denounced vigilantism whereas the film embraced the notion um, yes it did i mean I, I i have a hard time watching this and thinking anything bad is happening oh absolutely i mean other than his acting i mean that's about the only bad thing happening like every single person that gets shot with the exception of his you know his wife and his well i guess his daughter doesn't get shot but uh, she, gets oh, wait, she didn't get shot either. They just got beat the fuck out of. Yeah. But yeah, it's other than that shit happening, nothing bad happens in that film. <laughs> it's weird though because you you get, I, I almost feel like there was a a white criminal quota that they had to meet, because mm-hmm. every criminal was a black guy, and then mm-hmm. every once in a while they would pepper in, they would salt in a white guy. Oh yeah. Dash a white. <laughs> yeah, and, and he was awkward they and were the did worst. not belong there they were the worst so the black guy would be like don't jive me turkey give me your wallet and the white yeah, guy would be like, like fuck all right here and the white guy was like yeah don't jive us man yeah <laughs> he's just like uh, parroting exactly what the other guy just said but in a worse way uh no one delivered lines well in this not one no, person did a good no, job charles no. bronson arguably the best part of the film in my opinion was not good no there's there's absolutely nothing good about him at all other than just cheese mm-hmm. yeah, he can't act at all but the, the close-ups of the one look he has with that really thin mustache, that mustache i mean that was kills me it right. just kills me the yeah. whole time i'm just like okay just grow it out a little bit more so you can mask the wispiness the sparseness of it in places or just get rid of it like one of the two Mm -hmm. but whatever the fuck he's got going on in that upper lip well they're like two different lengths too it's like (laughs) this is all like you know a number three and then right here it's just barely out so it just kind of comes off his face so weird and it's like i know i'm not one to talk because i got some fucking stupid facial hair but jesus christ 
at least I got a mustache, even though it's not a full one. Yeah, it's weird. It's just weird. I don't understand. And at the very beginning, we're going to get into you know, like the, the film more here, but I, I've got some like funny things that I want to point out real quick. His bathing shorts. <laughs> what? When was that okay? I don't remember ever signing <laughs> off on a time where you could wear tidy whities as swimming trunks. Like, they weren't tidy whities They were, like, swimming trunks for back in the day. But it was just, like, I don't know. It was the Bronson bulge was just in full force, and I did not want to see it at all. Like, at all. Yeah, I mean... You probably don't want to go with me to Mexico next time. But, yeah, once the border's open, because next time I'm going in a fucking speedo. Oh no, fuck swim shorts. Oh no. Yeah, it was funny because um, he reminds me of every person I ever grew up with as a kid, where they, you know, because they're usually, you know, when you're a kid, usually at least back when I was a kid, everyone was thin. There were no fat kids, mm -hmm. at least none that I saw in my neighborhood ever. Um, and so you had like super defined muscles. It wasn't because you were strong. It's because you were fucking thin because <laughs> you didn't eat a lot of food. And so your skin just kind of hung on your muscles. That was it. And so the difference between someone who's strong because they work out and the difference between someone who looks like they're strong because they're just thin is, uh, the difference between Charles Bronson and Sylvester Stallone, like <laughs> yeah. no pecs, but defined shoulders. You know, he's got like a six pack, but it's not because he ever did a sit up. It's just because he's a thin guy. Yeah. I just, it was the funniest thing seeing that body type because it immediately took me back. Oh my gosh, that's how every single kid in my neighborhood looked. Like everyone looked like that, including the mustache. It's fucking <laughs> awkward. <laughs> the prepubescent mustache. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. At least they had an excuse. Him, I don't know. What the yeah, fuck he's doing excuses. that shit on purpose. That's not, that's not a, I have to do this because it's a makeshift thing. No, mm -hmm. you're a grown man in your 40, late forties, early fifties. You, you made a choice. <laughs> it was the wrong choice too, Definitely. for the record. Uh, okay. Do you want to break down what, how, how this movie unfolds? I mean, there's not really much to it, <laughs> but I, I, I will try. Okay. So, you know, the movie starts off. He's having a wonderful evening. You know, by the water with his wife, and he's taking awkward pictures, and she's taking Hawaii. you know awkward poses, and you know it just looks really uncomfortable. But I guess that's romantic. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I guess they'd been on vacation for what was it, like two weeks or something in Hawaii. Uh, they sure. finally come back home to New York City, and he goes to work because that's what you do, and she goes to the grocery store because. What that's the fuck what else do. do you do when you don't have a job? <laughs> and apparently at this point in time, you could have groceries delivered and they just left your address out all willy-nilly. Well, as she's leaving, Jeff Goldblum and his homies are looking through people's boxes, see her address and decide to follow her home because they're going to rob the bitch. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, she gets home, they show up and, you know, she's supposed to be getting groceries. So they knock on the door and say, hey, we got your groceries. And that's when the catalyst of this film starts. They come in, they start spray painting shit, breaking shit, beating Very people Very clockwork up. orange. Eh, except not good. Um, that's true, actually, yeah. Yeah, there was There was not one good. nipple cut out of a shirt. No, and it was pretty boring. I mean, if you're going to break in and rape somebody, at least fucking dress up or something. Yeah, they just looked like a bunch of fucking schmucks. I'm just kidding, people. I, I don't advocate rape. <laughs> Of course, you don't have to qualify. Um, I, I do really like 
how very Bruce Wayne, Gotham City, Batman, this whole thing is. Absolutely. So, so good. clearly Batman came first in the comics. Um, <laughs> and I think Batman was on TV for a while before this film was mm -hmm. ever released. About 20 years before this movie yeah, was released. I mean, it was very much like the whole time I was just like, this is this is just Batman. Like, how mm -hmm. is this different than the Punisher or Batman? You know, any vigilante, you take your pick. I, the, the thing is, they set the city up early on as scum and villainy. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a horrible place. People are getting mugged all the time. It's very dangerous. You can't walk down the street. Um, and then it sets up Bronson's character, um, Paul Kersey, as a bleeding heart liberal early mm -hmm. on. So even throughout the first 30, 40 minutes, uh, as soon as he gets back, you know, after his wife is killed, he tries to go back into the office and they mm -hmm. give him a project to go down to Arizona. He goes down there and meets, uh, you know, gun-toting developer who wants to, you know, take him to the range and, and fire off a few rounds. And he learns that he can shoot fire a weapon. He chooses not to because his dad died and it kind of reminds him of his dad and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to fire firearms anymore. He's just, he's done. And so it, it frames him in this sort of position of purity against the backdrop of a villainous city. And if mm. you don't see Batman in that, then you just haven't been alive for the past 50 years. That's more than that. Yeah. Batman's uh, 78 now, or 76, something like that. <laughs> Zachary yeah. says, so where the fuck you been? what am I supposed to do with these white suspenders now, Cameron? Uh, fucking hit up your droogies and go down to the fucking Malaco Plus. God, everybody knows that. There you go. <laughs> but don't rape. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's play, it's like a role play situation yes, and if everyone's it's consensual, okay. non-consent, then it's A-OK -okay because yep. there's consent. Yep. Um, and then I just want to see photos because that sounds awesome. That's true. That's and great. I'm just curious. What's your mask? What, what, uh, what mask are you wearing? Let us know. In the, yeah, put the it comments. up in the put it up in the chat room there. Um, okay, so uh, he goes down to Arizona to set up this development. He fires off a few rounds with the developer, impresses the developer wildly with his amazing firing skills after not having done it since he was a phenomenal kid. Shot. He's Hawkeye. I mean, he's yeah, just like straight up Scarlett Johansson in I forgot what her name is. Her character's name Black Black Widow. Black Widow. Yeah, he's just like the badass dude. You know, mm -hmm. so. Um, he gets on a plane back to New York because he has a development plan approved by the developer, and uh, the developer ended up gifting him a 38 special, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was a 38 special. I believe that's what it was. I know. Yeah. They said 38, guns. so I'm, I'm assuming. I don't know. Um, he said plague mask because of reasons. That's, that's smart. You know what? Safety is important. <laughs> okay, so he goes back to New York. He realizes he has the El Pistola. He notices his daughter has not recovered and is in basically a catatonic state from her incident. Uh, mm -hmm. Just total PTSD down the line, and she just cannot recover. They end up institutionalizing her uh, because there's nothing they could really do otherwise. And now he is just a loaded gun with a loaded gun, and he doesn't yep. know where to release this angst and so he's just like you know what i'm gonna take the gun and i'm gonna go for a walk and whatever happens ha oh i'm sorry it started with him with two rolls of quarters in a sock oh yes we can't pass that up orders twenty dollars nonetheless twenty dollars of quarters a lot of money in back sock. in 1974 yeah. a lot of money right now and he busted up a mugger and so he was primed 
for going the next step as soon as mm -hmm. he was gifted the 38 special. He takes a 38 well, special. Well, then he gets home after he smacked the motherfucker in the face, and he tears his sock like a dumbass. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just ne next logical step. Ah, I destroyed his sock. I got a gun. I'll just fucking shoot people. He never thought about the other sock. They come in no, pairs. He was wearing know. it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He was doing a little uh, red hot chili pepper wearing it, right? Yes, that's that's probably what it was. Right over his junk. <laughs> I can't imagine he needed a sock that big, but you know, whatever. <laughs> we saw him in his skivvies. He doesn't. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Um, I'm not going to shame it. So, uh, <laughs> rocket, if that's what you want to do. Um, yeah. So he ends up going down. Of course, he's in New York City in the 70s. Someone tries to mug him, and he shoots the guy. He immediately starts feeling human emotions and he runs home and thinks, holy shit, I've got to puke because that's what they say all serial killers do after they do their first kill. So then he goes and pukes. Mm -hmm. And that's where I thought, a little too on the nose? I don't know. Is that a thing? Like, I've heard it every mm -hmm. single time someone says they've killed someone it makes them sick and ill initially and then you get over it and they, you know, there's a song about it. The, the, every serial killer said they went through that. I kind of feel at this point, it's just like a thing people have to do, not really that they want to. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Is it a I, natural reaction? I honestly, I can't imagine being someone in his position, mm -hmm. being that phased by death after having lost his wife in a horrible, horrible way. Yeah. And then zero justice is you know, there for him. Yeah. Like, Something like that's got to fucking destroy you as a human being. So I can't imagine you're going to be a sensitive Sally after you fucking shoot somebody that's trying to mug you and possibly kill you, mm. mind you. I don't know. I just, I find it hard to believe that he'd be like, oh, no. What was crazy about it was that the whole time I'm watching this, again, I just saw it today for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, I kept thinking of Joker, the film. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the same city, it's the same era, I mean, it's Gotham, but it's New York. Um, it's the same era, the 70s. Mm -hmm. I just, I felt like you could, you could take Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and put him in Death Wish, and it would have worked. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just so perfect. And, and then I started thinking of Taxi Driver, because the film's not that great. It's, there's no, it doesn't have depth to it. There yeah. is no story. <laughs> It's just guy starts killing people. Cops don't want him to kill people, but they don't want to put him away because he's lowering crime. <laughs> like, that's the whole plot. It's really weird. But yeah, I, I was just thinking about all the other 70s shows that I've loved and how wonderful that this era of New York for the storytelling is. It's just so great. You saw all the pimps out there being harassed by cops. You saw hookers uh, like trying to, you know, eat their dinner and like you saw uh picking her nose yeah she yes, she, she fucking did. went to town yes she, hey you know when you got a bat in the cave you got to get it out yeah and she did it's true over fucking dinner um i don't think he was mentally ill i think he was um oh okay here's a good we're gonna get into that i'm gonna put a pin in that because i want to finish this um and so the you know the commissioner doesn't want to shut him down. I think it was um, um, Vincent Gardenia, Frank Ochoa, Ocha was the. I, I can't remember if he right. was the commissioner or if he was the um, uh, like the sheriff guy, the fucking detective guy. 
Either way, I think that's commissioner. He wanted to shut him down. The state didn't want him to. And so he said, "Okay, Mm -hmm. well, I'm just going to scare him a little bit. And so he has the police kind of, you know, rough him up once. And then he just stakes him out, essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's not going to stop Paul. Paul's on a mission. Paul needs to kill. And so he goes and he continues to do so up until the point that he just can't do it anymore because of circumstance where he, he like he was shot. Right. Uh, he was stabbed. Stabbed. Oh, wait. Yeah. No, no, no. No, yeah. the, the last We're talking one. about the ending. Yeah. Yeah. So because yeah, he, he got stabbed like the day before mm-hmm. or week before or something. And then he got shot. Yeah. And then, you know, the ambulance took him to the hospital. The cop who mm-hmm. picked him up, grabbed his 38 special, gave it to the detective slash commissioner. And then uh, he went up to him and said, look, you got to leave town. If you don't leave town, you're going to die or go to jail. And so he left town, went to Chicago, saw a bunch of punks harassing a girl in the airport and then did this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and Winky that was face. God. <laughs> that was just... That was fucking awful. Was, I mean, okay, that was a They made a lot ending. of these, too. What's that? They made a lot of these films, too. Uh, there's six, I think. <laughs> six or seven, something like that. And that's not yeah. counting the fucking remake. Yeah. Yeah, I... I would have never sought this out on my own. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, It was too. definitely entertaining. Yeah. But God damn it, he's so awful. Yeah. So in the in the novel, the character Paul is supposed to realize through his actions that violence begets violence, and it doesn't solve mm-hmm. anything. In the film, Paul becomes addicted or compulsive about this act, mm-hmm. and he can't stop. He shows no desire. No questioning. He just can't stop. He just keeps going. Even when he knows the cops are looking at him. Mm -hmm. Um, That's compulsive. That's not normal. That is Abby something. Yeah. I don't know. You guys fill in blanks. So do you think that he's mentally ill? I I wouldn't say he's mentally ill, but definitely something got knocked loose when his wife died and he snapped. Mm -hmm. Um, And really it's... I mean, I guess I, I would put it as mental illness in the sense that it's an addiction mm-hmm. because he does ultimately fill that void of, you know, the pain and all that shit that he experienced with his wife by going out every night and killing people. Yep. I mean, really, you know it's an addiction when you sneak out of your house in a fucking turtleneck to avoid getting detected by cops. I mean, fucking, Turtlenecks was, were awesome in the 70s, right? Turtlenecks were never awesome. <laughs> Just throwing that out right now. <laughs> Oh man, um, the turtleneck like coat combo, or the, like the turtleneck sweater vest combo, <laughs> that was a thing for a while and back in the day. Yeah, you're. Right. I'm so glad I didn't live through that shit. <laughs> um, there's we've got 15 surprising facts about Death Wish that I kind of want to get through here. Um, I do want to say I don't think I don't think he, that he was mentally ill in like a permanent state, but he definitely had a switch flipped. Mm -hmm. Um, He was not thinking rationally because rational people don't seek revenge on people who had nothing to do with the people who killed your wife. And that's what I think is the biggest defining point that I have a personal problem with, with this character. See, Mm -hmm. I'm a Satanist. And so I believe in Lex Talionis, eye for an eye. If Jeff Goldblum... (laughs) murdered my wife 
and uh, raped my daughter, I would want to destroy Jeff Goldblum, and I would mm -hmm. seek my life trying to do so. As a law-abiding citizen, as Satanism instructs you to be, that is through the act of ritual and not breaking the law and murdering a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. I would have a hard time following that dictate, but that being yeah. said, um, but that's not what he did. And so you can say this is a revenge flick, but it's not. You can pretend that this is him getting even, but it's not. It's him going out and killing people because he had a switch flipped in his head mm -hmm. where he just wanted to hurt someone because someone hurt his wife. He didn't care who it was. He didn't care what the situation was. As long as they tried to mug him, he thought that was good enough to kill them. Uh, it had nothing to do with his wife at that point. No. Nothing at all. It was all just him. So we can stop playing this this is a uh, revenge flick because it's not. And all of you Satanists no. who are like, I mean, yeah, honest, good on him because of revenge. No. He's not doing revenge. This is not revenge. You're not, nah, you're not actually watching the dick. film if you think this is revenge. Yeah, it's a man seeking a cathartic release. Yeah. Yeah. And overreacting, definitely. <laughs> that being said, I still don't really see a problem with people trying to mug you and you defending yourself. No, there are laws in certain states, stand your ground laws, that make that okay. Uh, even here in Utah, if you feel physically threatened, then you can kill someone if they're on your property and they're mm -hmm. coming toward you. Um, so I get it 100%, but he's seeking it. Mm -hmm. That's different. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's that's called catfishing. <laughs> he was catfishing. <laughs> it's like, oh no, don't mug me. Ah, you're mugging me, I'm gonna fucking shoot you. Bow. <laughs> yeah, well, and here's the thing. He's like, um, he's walking out there flashing wads of cash so entrapment, and mm -hmm. then he's like, no, don't mug me. And then he's like, motherfucker, pow. So I don't know. This is, this is just him getting his kicks, uh, being a serial killer. And that's really, <laughs> like, that's how I'm seeing it. I can't see it any other way. He's, no, I mean, that's, that's he's putting himself in a situation that he knows will have a certain outcome so that he can kill someone. Mm -hmm. That is a serial killer. Like, I don't, it, that's it. Um, Jordan here in the chat is saying he must have been a sociopath in the first place by some degree. I don't. Think I, don't so. I think. I think he, if he, he was definitely a... turned into that. Yeah, but he, I don't know. I still find it hard to believe that he's a sociopath because if he's a sociopath, that means that he would feel nothing when really all of this is to take away that pain that he's experiencing and, you know, use these people that he's murdering as the. Um, essentially an effigy of the people that mugged and raped and killed his family. Um, uh, I don't, see, I don't I, know. And I don't even see it as that. Like, I, 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 I definitely think that, um, and I like that, that we're not seeing it in the same way, which is why it's such, I think, a great film in that it's a little bit open to interpretation. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Because everyone who sees it, you can see it slightly differently. Um, I, but I, I would argue that He's not doing it for his wife and his daughter because he is not trying to get any one specific person. He's just mm. going after a type. And he's not trying to bring them to justice. He's not trying to 
um, punish them, he's trying to murder every single one of them. So every mugger, not every rapist, not every um, breaking entering, uh, you know, class demeanor, uh, 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 misdemeanor um, perpetrator. He's trying to kill everyone who tries to rob him, which I, I think if he did it once, then that's about his wife. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, he, he kept doing it over and over and over and over again. This is not, this is, this is more than just him trying to get even for his wife, because he's not seeking the same person. He's just trying to kill as many as possible to quiet whatever pain he's experiencing. And which mm -hmm. is my point in saying, it's not about his wife at that point. It's about, mm -hmm. he's trying to quiet something inside of him. He's trying to work through whatever trauma that he is experiencing after being grief stricken and who's to say how people um are going to react like that but mm -hmm. i don't know yeah because I, I mean that's that's some heavy shit yeah yeah um i'm sorry i'm trying to scan the chat room here too to see what you guys are saying and <laughs> cold bloom was clearly practicing for his dissertation on chaos theory <laughs> Yes, yes, I, I can see it. Yeah, instead of water, he was using other substances to see if it rolled down the left or right side. I mean, a, a liquid's a liquid, right? <laughs> so dirty. Oh, that's good. All right, so uh, mentalfloss.com released 15 surprising facts about Death Wish. Let's uh, knock through a couple of these. It was inspired by a couple of real-life crimes, though they were much less violent. It was a car accident and a mugging. Um, mm -hmm that uh made the author go mm, i want to murder these people i'm gonna write a book about it i i get it <laughs> I, he turned it into a really healthy outcome uh -huh. like he wrote a book about it instead of murdering someone so good on him um i don't that's not original or different than anyone else experiencing life you know no, we no, all no, have no. loss and pain and and tragic things that happen to us so i don't know why that would be anything special i don't i don't know I, I, would, I think they were really reaching for shit they're like you know what what what's a good number 15 is a great number yeah. let's come up with 15 yeah. things Fuck, like five of these are the exact things. same just from different perspectives <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, originally sydney lumet was set to direct with jack lemon starring but that fell through henry fonda and george c scott were both uh had both turned down the lead role uh that charles bronson picked up because they thought mm. it was just too much um, Charles Bronson and his agent disagreed on the film's message, and Charles Bronson didn't even think he did a good job in it. He was right. I can, I, yeah, he was very right with that. <laughs> I think he he thought the message was, the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. Uh, the novel writer thought Charles Bronson was even wrong for the part in the first place. Uh, Bronson thought Dustin Hoffman should have played the part. I'm not sure I see that. No, no. I was thinking Harvey Keitel, maybe. Like, I could, I see, could see that. I could see Keitel. He is, he's a pretty badass uh, 70s guy. Mm -hmm. um, and he's done a lot of really great stuff in the 70s. Another person that I thought could have done it um, and done it really good justice uh, was Christopher Walken. Like, young, not, oh, yeah. not caricature Walken, but like mm -hmm. young Christopher Walken. I think he could have done a really good job. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, there was concern about using the word death in the title. They were going to use vigilante wish or something like that. But yeah, that just doesn't work. <laughs> but no. Yeah, Herbie Hancock funny. wrote the score at the suggestion of Michael Winner's girlfriend. And I think he did a great job. I really enjoyed the score. I really did. 
Um, it was definitely 70s fun. Yeah, and it was an accent score. It wasn't like Joker's mm-hmm. score where it's a character. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was very much just a light accent thing. And oh, it, yeah, but definitely. It, it did it, what it needed to do, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Sylvester Stallone wanted to remake it before that f- project fell through, and Eli Roth ended up doing it with uh, Bruce Willis. So... I don't know. Is there any, any other notes that you wanted that you saw that I didn't touch on? I jumped over a couple. Um, not that are really worth any of it, because mm-hmm. you already talked about how uh, Paramount ended up uh, upping the ticket prices. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, this was a fucking hit. Like, it was uh, like this is back in the day when movies would stay in theaters for as long as they needed to. Yeah. Like, if people kept going, they'd keep that shit on the screen, and it was in long enough for them to be like, hmm. How do we make more money off this? Ha! Let's charge these assholes double. Yeah. And they did. And people paid it. I mean, good on them, right? That, I mean, if you can get away with it, that's awesome. You know what? I get it because this, like, I'll probably watch this again. I don't think, like, I wouldn't buy it or anything. But if I had a chance to see this shit on the big screen, like, this is totally, uh, you know, a Sunday matinee, go with your friends, throw popcorn at the screen, and laugh your ass off the whole time kind of movie. I'd totally watch this on a big screen, yeah, for sure. It's like I I rented a, the SD version of it because mm-hmm. I like the 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 visual grittiness because I just felt like it would fit in, um, and it was a dollar cheaper, which may have been the real reason. <laughs> I just watched it for free on Prime. I don't have Prime, right? Oh, you don't? I'm a Neanderthal. I don't. That's 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 fair. I keep saying tall, even though it's thaw. I don't know why I do that. Whatever. It sounds it, it sounds uh, Yeah. IMDB gave it seven out of ten stars. Uh Rotten wow. Tomatoes is showing it sixty seven percent. Not fresh or anything, but just sixty seven percent uh from the critics and sixty eight percent audience score. So not terrible. Not bad. Not better good. than I would have gave it. What's that? So better than I would have gave it. <laughs> um I did the thing is, is like I was I, because I hadn't seen it and it had such a buildup. I was really worried it was going to be bad, like bad, mm-hmm. bad. And it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. And so I actually walked away from it feeling good about having spent the time watching it. Like, oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. So I'm I'm glad that I saw it. I will n- never seek out a sequel. I don't care that much. I, I kind of almost want to. Oh, really? But I'm also a glutton for punishment when it comes to shit like that. <laughs> like, if I see one, I got to see all of them. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it pans out. Sometimes it's like fifth one in. You're like, why? Why did I do this? Fuck. So why do you think... I mean, I, I think there's some obvious reasons why, but I just, I'm wondering if you have any other thoughts about why. Why do you think this is on the Church of Satan's suggested uh watch list uh, i mean other than you know the whole lex taliona shit i i don't know like i mean it's it's definitely got beautiful aesthetics mm-hmm. like if you are into like 70s 80s new york city griminess like it's beautiful it is fucking gorgeous um it's shot amazingly like the the cinematography in this is fantastic um not so much the blood i'm, I'm not a fan of that 3m shit I mean, I am, but I'm not. Um, so I, I honestly don't know. I would probably have to watch it again um, with that in mind that it is on the church list to maybe find some other reason why it would be on there other than that. Yeah. I, I really do think that it, it chalks up to it is a um, 
a mistakenly revenge flick suggestion. Like that's what I think is why. I think I don't think it's any deeper than that. It's it's a gritty underbelly of the world, which you know I, I kind of dig, which which I think everyone kind of digs. Um, you're in it alone. The idea of a vigilante is attractive to a lot of Satanists. Um, we see ourselves Absolutely. as individuals, sort of above man's law even though we work within the boundaries of it um, mm -hmm. we champion the idea of, of uh, self-preservation above all things and um, eye for an eye so i think those are some of the reasons why it's on there but i think mostly it's it's flawed in its portrayal of revenge deeply mm -hmm. flawed um, the character, I think, has no control over himself, over his compulsion to continue no. to kill. And that means that he's not in control of himself at all, and mm -hmm. that means that he can't be satanic. Um, Satanists are supposed to have total control mm -hmm. in order to manipulate those around him. He is simply reacting to the environment. And so he's a slave in that essence. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't, unless it's a you know, slave-dom thing... I don't see it as empowered and I don't see it as satanic. Mm -hmm. So I personally wouldn't put it on my list of satanic films. Um, you know, Care Bear Not movie. Me yeah, probably. It's like, I wouldn't put this, but yet I put <laughs> Ernest Scared Stupid at the very tip top. So I can't really say shit. This would be interesting what we should do. Since we do a Satanist on cinema, what's our top five satanic films of all time? Like we Dude, should do I that next time. We should. I need to get writing down. <laughs> I know. I've, I mean, I can't believe I haven't thought of this, but why haven't we done that yet? Yeah. We should totally do that. Uh, so, anyway, yeah. Just to watch Blind Rage and release that emotion instead of harboring it, Zachary says. Um, maybe it serves as I don't know. There, for the there, angry Satanist. There's so many more movies out there that will definitely get rid of shit versus watching this. Because really, the, the deaths are uneventful. Mm -hmm. Um it's just sort of like interstitials of him losing his mind and losing control. Like it's, hey, give us your money. Pew! And then they go, oh! And then maybe there's a little bit of a 3M blood pack. It goes, and that's it. Like the, the I love the one are, that comes out the guy's back. Yeah. He's all on the stairs. <laughs> just like, come on. That doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Just not, not good at all. Um, piece of you, I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> nice way, way to phone that answer in, man. This is what I think, unless I don't think it because I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> hey, knowing that you have no idea what you're talking about, that's uh, it's pretty powerful shit. <laughs> hey, knowing is half the, the wait, and knowing yes, is knowing half is half the, the battle. Battle, G.I. Joe. Yep. <clears throat> I'll get you, Jojo. However, whatever Cobra said, I can't remember. Here's the thing about Cobra. He never sounded muffled, but I never saw any speaker thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like Vader had the the grill, and so I felt like that could have been an audible speaker of some kind, which is why it was so deep and powerful. Cobra Commander had, like, a piece of glass. Well, yeah, but he probably has, like, some sort of microphone rig in there. And then, like, the speaker would be behind his arm or on his chest or something. All right. I'm going to have to watch a cartoon. I, I'm a costumer, <laughs> so this is the kind of shit I think of. Yeah, yeah. I hated his little snidely whiplash voice, too. 
Yeah. Like, man, well, all the bad guys back then. He's evil. Exactly. All I mean, the you bad can't guys. see his fucking mustache. What was the Smurfs villain? Because he had a one Gargamel. like that too. Gargamel. He was like that. Um, Skeletor was definitely like that. Mumra actually wasn't. Mumra was a badass. He was scary. No, Mumra was a badass, and he was, so was Skeletor. He was terrifying. Skeletor wasn't scary because he had that. He man. I don't give a <laughs> fuck. He's still badass. <laughs> he looked like a badass. He just oh, sounded like any a motherfucker bitch. says otherwise. I, I don't know why we're going down this road. Um, that's my fault. Because it's more interesting than this movie. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap this episode up? Um, I mean, if we're going to be talking like favorite and worst parts, I mean, I think we already discussed the worst part. Right. What's like your favorite part? Charles Bronson. Uh, favorite part. I'm going to look because I'm a fucking. I am. Did dead. you make a note? I got notes. Fuck yeah, I made a note. I was actually going to change up our show notes and then I just I completely Should forgot. I? But. The very opening of the movie when him and his wife are on vacation in Hawaii um, and she gets down and like she sits down next to him. I just love the exchange of him trying to get laid. Yeah. Um, but but the two lines to be the yeah, we're too civilized for that. <laughs> and and then the yeah, I remember when we weren't like that's just that was fucking beautiful. That was poetic. <laughs> and he was trying to get laid like that was just. I, yeah. I have that written down so I can remember shit like that. There was no one else on the beach either. No, there was no... And they, there was, like, rocks and shit up on the sides of yep. them. So they were perfectly hidden. There was no mm -hmm. good reason not to have sex. Mm -hmm. Other than, you know, sand and itchy. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> you deal with it. I, I mean, that's part of the charm, right? Mm -hmm. It's the chafing. Mm -hmm. that, that makes it's, it real. It's memories. <laughs> it, it's their memories. I don't like... I don't like the planned fornication. I hate the idea of you're in a heat of a moment and you're like, okay, let's all walk together until the room and then we can do it because it's no longer passion at that point. You're just like, so mm. at 1230 in 10 minutes, um, I'll meet you on the bed to have to deal with the idea of a time schedule that sucks. So that's why I didn't like it. I, I didn't don't like know. the lines. I, I think it kind of it kind of depends on the situation because you know anticipation can be a hell of an aphrodisiac. Mm -hmm. that's like true. you know so if they were to like work you up and then be like you know you're right there and then like wait till they get to the room and then it's like oh god okay <laughs> well I need a cold shower first and then uh, then I'll give you the you most mediocre two minutes of your life. <laughs> two minutes show off. <laughs> uh, I'm still young, dude. I'm a, I'm a stallion. <laughs> I'm totally not yeah. old yet. <laughs> um, yeah, it takes me two minutes just to, to work up like any type of blood pressure at all to to even get my <laughs> boys moving at all. Um, well, see, I think some of it for me part. is uh, what I refer to as punk rock foreplay. Uh, like I got to take off my 17i boots and that takes a while. <laughs> I think it was just right, seeing Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, you're back. Okay. Yeah, I think it was just yeah. seeing Jeff Goldblum be a, a, a bad guy. I, I don't know. I I don't there was nothing in this film that stood out to me saying mm -hmm. this was great. Um and all this film did was remind me of the other great films from the era. <laughs> yeah. It immediately made me want to watch Street Trash. Yeah. It's just and so I, I, I don't know why people love this film so much. Um the worst part about it, I don't know. What do you think? I, I still got to go with Charles Bronson. Like, just I, anybody, anybody could have played that part. 
yeah. infinitely better. Did Bruce Willis? Carried. Um, I don't fucking remember. <laughs> Honestly, okay, so I think the reason why I don't remember is yeah. it was a shop night, so we all went and got sushi and got really fucking shit-faced and then oh, wow. went and saw the movie. Okay. So I don't remember a damn thing about it. Alright. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of, um, uh, why can't I remember his name? Uh, he was in Lethal Weapon. Uh, he did Braveheart. Mel Gibson. I've seen a lot of Mel Gibson revenge flicks. Uh, there's mm-hmm. like three that are sort of in the forefront of my mind. He's great as a revenge mm-hmm. guy. Like, like probably my favorite actor of revenge guys. He was too young to do it in this. Oh, yeah. But um, if we could take Mel Gibson 10 years ago and replace him with Charles Bronson, this probably would have been amazing. I don't, I don't know. I would actually argue, let's take Mel Gibson. Um, let's see, Road Warrior was eighty, right, or was it eighty-two? Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever era um, Road Warrior was. If we took Road Warrior era Mel Gibson, He's sans dumb. the mullet, right? Yeah, but he looked pretty fucking ruffled up. I mean, if you go back to the original um, uh, Mad Max, yeah, no, he's fucking. He's a baby. Mm-hmm. Like, you just want to pinch his fucking cheeks because he's so cute. But yeah. Road Warrior, he definitely looks like he, you know, is, the years fucking hit him. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I would fucking, I'd pay to see that shit right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I, I think the worst part about this film was the lack of plot. Like, mm-hmm. that sunk the entire film for me. There was no depth at all. It was so on the nose and simplistic and almost childlike in its portrayal of um, of a, a attempted revenge vigilante film mm-hmm. uh, that if, if it just added a couple more layers of depth to the characters, um, then maybe it could have salvaged itself. But I think it's well, just bad writing. Like, I think yeah, that's it, really what it comes down to. It would have been really simple to, like, explore one or two other characters mm-hmm. um you know explore the son-in-law explore the fucking commissioner like those are two people that are main characters yeah give us something other than what we're watching or give and it would have been there would have been at least something yeah if they just would have explored how he was reflecting on his actions mm-hmm. if we had some inner monologue or or um some some show of of struggle within himself i think that would have been really interesting because he he wants to do this because he's getting something out of it but we mm-hmm. are left to guess at what that is is he doing it because of his wife is he doing it because of the pain that he feels is he trying to take back his city it, you know what mm-hmm. is it that's motivating him and the death of his wife is not enough for him to keep doing it like, have him no, have because, that struggle after yeah. the first kill, where he's like, okay, fuck, that felt really good. I feel like I made the city a little safer. Maybe I should keep going. You know, just something mm-hmm. to add depth. Yeah. Well, let's let's put it this way. For those of you that haven't seen it, um, so when you watch something on any streaming service, it, it starts up where you stopped it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's what I did this morning. Uh, and I watched the last, I think it was like 25, 30 minutes of the movie. Well, I went back after I finished it to get that half hour that I slept through. And I literally didn't miss a fucking thing of the movie. And that is a third of the movie that I missed because I was asleep. And it 
added nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that, that's what you're rough. getting when you watch this. It was rough. Uh, all right. Uh, so final score. What do you think? Okay. Just because of the era, just because of the music, and yeah, you know, it's just it's era of movies that I love. I will give it two two banana stickers. I'm with you. I think I think the era alone gives it that rating. I think the the baseline setting and the attempt at a good story I think I think it was enough to make me watch it, but mm-hmm. there's no way it could get more than two. Like I'm almost I'm almost now that I'm thinking about it, I'm taking a I'm taking a, like a half a star away cuz th- this there's it was such a thin story. There was no character development. There's mm-hmm. no trauma explained no explored uh growth at all it was just flat the whole time and the fact that so many satanists love this film actually makes me mad <laughs> like it, you know what it frustrates me i'm gonna do something that i wouldn't typically do and i i'm i think i'm gonna jump on that bandwagon and take half a banana away too now that you say that because yeah it doesn't deserve the accolades that it gets. No, like I don't understand why people are like, "No, you have to see this." I'd, I'd love to hear what you have to say about this film. Mm-hmm. Do you now? <laughs> there's no way you walk away from this film and be like, "Oh, I gotta buy that on Blu-ray." No, no. fucking way. It's no, just I, not. Oh, you, if you, if that's old, the case, you've never seen a good revenge flick. That's what I'm saying. No, absolutely not. And if you want to see a really good revenge flick. Prevenge is amazing, and it's streaming on Shutter. Oh, all right, there that's you go. fucking fantastic! If you haven't seen it, <laughs> dog is saying we're hurting our feelings. <laughs> Sorry, hon. <laughs> hey, you know what? It, it's fucking cinema. Cinema is subjective. Yeah, I love a bunch of shit that a lot of people hate, and I hate a lot of shit that most people like. Mm-hmm. It's that's just how it is. It's just yeah. like music. It's yeah. like anything else. Absolutely. All right. Like I think the only way I would buy this is if I found it on VHS in a thrift store for like 50 cents. Um, just because I'm a sucker for VHS covers. And, uh, you know, the shitty grain and the tracking, it kind of adds a little to bad movies like this. Yeah, it kind of does, to be honest. Mm. I do miss the VHS days. All right, that's going to do it for this episode, everyone. I hope you, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I'm struggling to stay awake because this is late for me. I'm an old man. I should be in bed by six. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm struggling a little bit here, but um, I hope we can do this again sometime. Oh yeah, <laughs> we've got to do our top five. Uh, yes, definitely. <clears throat> we got to do that next week. We have to. That's a that's a good okay. idea. We got that'll do. that'll be my homework for the weekend, I guess. All right. Um, Thank you guys. Thank you for joining us live in chat, even though it's a completely late uh, night for all of you and most of you have work in the mornings. Um, I do appreciate your back and forth and I'm sorry if you love this and you were hoping we were going to love it too. Um, but we got to be honest with you. Uh, if you enjoy this or any of the other programs on this YouTube channel, programs, uh, hit, hit that subscribe button. <laughs> so fancy. <laughs> Sign up to the email list. This is also in podcast form, so tomorrow I'm going to release it in audio. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Reverend Campbell and you'll get it there. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Nope. No after <laughs> closing video at all. Just this. Oops. <laughs> Every time. Every time I talk Wait, about so it. you have one set up for that? No, I don't. I just, I, oh. I feel like I should.
but I don't, and I don't know. It's the worst Photoshop job I've ever done of a title, and I'm just staring at it, uh, wanting to again, shoot myself. It, it, it works so well for this movie, though. 